Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you and good to be together. I tell you, chilly day like today and just to gather in this place, the love of Christ drawing us together and to express our love to Him. And thank you, worship team. What a gift to have uh, this group of people leading us into God's presence. So thank you guys. And and, uh, I'm feeling especially... Happy to be here as we were away last week and just missed being with you guys. We had, Tam and I had to make a pastoral visit down to uh, be with my dad and Donna who are away and my dad's heart was broken. Uh, The past two weeks, the Indianapolis Colts had the opportunity to advance into the playoffs. All they needed was two wins and they crushed my dad's heart and my heart <laughs> losing, and uh, so I had to go down and check on him, and he's doing okay. He's making his way through the grieving process. We worked a Colts puzzle as part of our recovery therapy, and I, I think we made progress, but uh, you can pray for him. Those are minor things, but, but, uh, but it was good to be with them, but as we were there, we worshiped with you via video, and it reminded me again just to uh, thank all of you who are worshiping with us, and it's around 70 of us a week are um, via video. And I know many away now, some south, but also some, uh, many struggling through um, sickness and, and what have you. And so I just, we just want to say that we see you, we're thinking of you, we love you. And when you're not here, it, uh, it le- we miss you. Just know that. I know um, Jim Harrell was out the past two weeks, and I don't think Jim's missed a, a Sunday in the past 30 years, and it just threw my week completely, and so just know that you, you matter, and, uh, and that we're praying for those of you who are battling sickness. This morning, especially remembering the Searcy family, as Jason has been battling COVID, is in the hospital, and, and uh, for Laura, as, as she keeps everything going, and for uh, their kids, Colt, and uh, Chase and Coy, remembering them. And then also this week, we had a, another, uh, just hit our community as a, a young man, Sam Arnone, who was part of our basketball league, 19 years old, sophomore at Purdue, um, passed away. And family in our community. And just praying for Kevin and, and uh, Dee, his mom and dad, and then his brother Nick, who is, I know, friends with some of our, those in our church family. But it just reminded me, too, of um, just the hope that we have in Christ. And this morning I wrote in my journal something I thought I'd just share. There is a God-shaped hole in every human heart. We try to fill it with created things, with people, possessions, power, pursuits, nothing satisfies but our God and when those things that we pursue and want to fill that hole with are gone life caves in on us it's a house built on sand 
that will shift in the storm. But Jesus said, build your life on me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. Not into a cold, stale, lifeless, dull religion, but into the wide open, sunlit fields of a joy-filled relationship with the one who loves you, died for you, created you, and is preparing a beautiful place for you. Build your life on me. Let me be your rock. Let me be your foundation. Let me be your constant. Let me be your one thing. Let me be your eternal hope, the rock of ages. To which we say, I'm not worthy. To which he says, you're right. I died so that you would be. Trust me. Come to me and follow me for eternity. He is our hope. Amen. Father, we just thank you that we can know you and we confess the times that we take that for granted. And this morning we just want to say again, thank you. Lord, our hearts ache with those who ache and we, uh, our hearts grieve with the Arnone family and just pray that you would be their comfort, be their hope. Thank you for, for Sam and we just pray that you would use even this horrible situation for the good of, of those who knew him and for your glory. I pray for the uh, Jason this morning, Lord, and we just ask that you would touch his body even now as we together as a church family lift up him and pray that your healing mercy and grace would just help his body fight the infection, cause him to be awake again and be able to just profess his faith in you and, and uh, to be with us. God, be with Laura, be with the kids, lift them before you. And God, as we open your word, we thank you that you are at work recreating us, even in, in these moments, to be like Christ. And we pray that you would do that work for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the, uh, as we get this year started, January, our uh, goal, our focus has been reset around our primary calling in life, which is to live a life of worship. The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so the reset text for us has been Romans 12. And just a uh, a great summary of really what God calls us into, and you, you, if you put it in big idea, it would be uh, to offer our bodies, in view of God's mercy, what he's done for us, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. So we wake up each new morning, and here's my body, Lord, holy and pleasing to God. And so appreciated Pastor Tyson last week leading us into the truth. That, so how do we do that? What's it look like? Well, it's as we pl humbly play our part in his body together as a faith community. And he called us into that in the next few verses. But then today we move into the, the final um, picture of, okay, how does that play out? How do we do life together in community? What does that look like? And what God does for us in this, the remainder of this text of Romans 12 is he sums it up in one word. This is how we, uh, we live out our, uh, play our part in the context of relationship, how we live a life of worship as we play our part in his body. And what he, he'll do is give us one word and then four, I've, I've categorized them into 14 glimpses of what this looks like to, uh, 
to live out this calling that, that God gives us. So the question is, what's that one word? And if you look to Romans chapter 12, verse 9, you see it there. He says, love must be sincere. What's the one word? It's love. It's the word agape. It's that love that God gives us. It's his love, but it's a relentless pursuit for the good of another person, regardless of, of their lovability or whether they deserve our love. But notice in this text that what, what Paul's saying and what God says through him is he says, love must be sincere. He's calling us to evaluate the sincerity of our love or the nature of our love, the authenticity of our love. It's a word used to describe a piece of, in the uh, ancient days, you, you could, pottery would crack and you could take wax and cover that crack and then uh, uh, paint it and they would never know. There was a crack, it was an insincere pot. And he's saying, look at your love, and are there cracks of insincerity? Uh, is your love truly genuine, authentic, the, the real thing? Or is there a crack of self-interest? Saying love must be sincere, authentic. And you could sum it up by saying it, it's to be like the love of God, where there is no crack, where it is sincere, here it's important to remember how we get this love. There's only one way to get this kind of love. Now, there's eros love, romantic love, philos love, the family love that we all have. This love is the love that God gives us through regeneration. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, a change happens inside of us. We're, we're reborn, given new life. Regeneration is new life where we have a new capacity to love as, as God loves and it's his Holy, the Holy Spirit which makes this happen. He regenerates us, but he also begins this process of creating the love of God in us, pouring his love into us. We see this in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, many places in Scripture, but here's one example in this letter. As he says, and hope does not disappoint, put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love the, uh, the simplicity of, of this challenge today, and really it's this, that as we go to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, to play our part, that we do so with his love, W-H-L, with his love, with the love of God. Last week I saw a phrase on the back of a football helmet that said, be love, and, and when I saw that, I was thinking about this text, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. It's not a call to do loving things. It's, it's bigger than that. It's a call to actually embody the very love of God so that as we live, it's, it's not like we're even having to try to think to do these things. We just are doing them because we are it. Be love. And I love it being on the back of a football helmet because we're in a fight too. It's a battle. And our weapon is not the weapon of the world. Tip for tat. Our weapon is the love of Christ. When we love, it is an act of war against evil. Be love is the call of today. Be love is the, uh, the possibility that, that Paul's calling us to. Let your love be sincere. So we say, how? How does that play out in community? And this is where he just goes into like an ordinary day, thinking about every situation that we might encounter. And uh, scholars try to categorize these things. I, I don't think it's, you, you can, but, but it's somewhat artificial. I think it's just a list of random ways that love is in motion, that, that we can be loved as we go out throughout the uh, everyday um, relationships in our lives. So, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to, I'll walk through 14 of them. You could 
break them down differently, but, but we'll, we'll walk through them and, and talk through them, and then we'll, uh, we'll hopefully put them into place. So I'll go ahead and read through the text, and then we'll, we'll come back and walk through those. So love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, how do we live out this love? How do we, with his love, do life in the context of of relationship? First is, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. This is love's ethic. Evil is always social. It impacts those we love. Think about family and your parents or parents. Think about what is the the number one way you can love your kids? Number one way. It is to hate what is evil, cling to what is good as you live out your own life. The word hate is strong, and I think purposefully strong. It's to abhor, it's to recoil I immediately thought of uh, Tam and her response to spiders. (laughs) And there is not a centimeter or a molecule in her body that likes spiders when she sees one. She just, and it's all on me to to take that thing out. And, uh, but so it is with when um, we see evil and it's, when we see evil in the context of hurting the ones we love, as it always will, it it changes, doesn't it? When uh, you see that temptation and then think about how that could just destroy, rip apart your family. It, it creates an abhorrence. It's what he's calling us to, but to cling to what is good. I love the way this pictures how our Lord lived from day one. As temptations came his way, you, you can see it too in his tone when uh, Peter would tempt him to do his will, avoid the cross rather than the Father's will. There's a, an abhorrence to that. So, uh, The second way that we can be love is be devoted to one another in love. The word translated devoted is an interesting word in Greek. It's philos and storge, the word for family love. And the translation, it's be devoted, is that word. It's not the best. A a better, it's hard to get it though. Translators are doing their best. But a better translation is this. Be devoted with warm family affection for one another in brotherly love. Now, isn't that a cool picture? It's more than just, yeah, I'll put up with this person and I'll love them, but I don't have to like them. No, it's like, we're family. And we've all got our quirks, whatever, but I love you. I love being with you. 
And, and what we feel for family, we feel for each other in the body of Christ. And that's the, the gift that he's given us and also that he calls us to. When we come to faith in Christ, we're baptized and we're baptized into a new family. It's why we do baptism as a church. It's not an ordinance that God gave us to go do by ourselves or with a little group out somewhere, but rather it's it, the picture is you are, Owen, will be baptized this morning, and it's the picture of being baptized at salvation. We're baptized by the Spirit into the family of God, but it gets real because this is now family. This is the body of believers that's eternal, and there's this philostorge love that we have, warm family affection for each other. The third way that we are live with his love is to honor one another above yourselves. As followers of Christ, we're called into a new game. I love this because it's literally outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> so th this is for all us competitive people like, all right, so what's the game? It's to, I want to honor you more than you honor me. Like, you the man. No, no, you the man. No, you the man. No, no, you the man, man. And, uh, and just like, we delight in not my name being lifted up, but I delight in your name being lifted up. And this is the family. This is what we're called to and what we do. His love in motion. The, uh, and then the fourth way is never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. This is the call to be intentional in stoking your passion to serve Christ. This was a light bulb moment for me when I realized who's responsible for my passion. And this text tells us it's me. I've got to learn to throw wood on my fire. And what happens when I let the wood or let the fire go out, my passion go out? Who does it hurt? When my passion to serve the Lord grows low, it hurts the people closest around me, my family, my church family. And so one way that we love each other is we're intentional. And I put it in my daily prayer. One of the things I pray every day is there's five things that stoke my passion. And I just review those. They, they keep me going and serving the Lord. So never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. One way we do that is the next, um, the fifth way that we, we can uh, live with his love is be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. The enemy of our soul is ever seeking to blanket our soul with despair. And so joy is that act of resistance. Joy, to choose joy is an act of war. And you say, okay, well, joyful in how? And it's joyful in hope. So it's every day lifting, raising the shades and lifting our eyes to the hope we have in Christ, the beautiful future, today with him, into the future with him. The, the idea of being patient in affliction is enduring grit in what we're going through, and then faithful in prayer, steadfast to keep on praying for the people around us. So we wake up each day choosing joy, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And I was Every time I hear this verse, think of this verse, I think of L.D. Farr, who appreciate L.D. this morning. We have, we, our goal is to be three deep at every uh, volunteer position in our worship team. And this, today we had lost, all three of our sound guys um, are out with uh, the sniffles or whatever. And uh, <laughs> L.D., rookie, steps in this morning, and so thank you, L.D., but L.D.'s, uh, this was the verse that God gave L.D. when his dad was going through his final days, and he was out on a jog, and it was Romans 12, 12, and it was like God just said, L.D., here it is, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and so anytime I see L.D. running around town, I, I think of this, and 
What a gift. And as we uh, practice this, it's a way to love each other. And then we go on, he says, uh, another way, sixth, is share with the Lord's people who are in need. This is living awake and sensitive to the needs of those around us and being ready to share. Just remembering that everybody is going through something, you know? Everybody. There's not a person in this room that's not carrying something. And we can't all carry every burden, but we're saying, Lord, put me in somebody's life that I can just help lift whatever they're going through to share a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a, some other type of a need, but just help me to be ready to do that. The Lord's people are in need. And then practice hospitality. This is a call to literally welcome the stranger or uh, love the stranger. The word practice in the NIV fails to capture the intensity of the Greek word. It's literally chase or pursue the love of the stranger. And I love that picture of the church. We're not just sitting back like, okay, I hope, you know, whoever shows up will take care of them. We're going out to the stranger, seeking them, inviting them, and loving them, and being willing to open up our heart and our homes to them. The picture of a harbor for the storm-tossed soul came to my mind. As a church family, I love that picture of people are out sailing some hard seas, and we have a lighthouse, that, that light shining, saying, come on in. Picture of a hospital for those who are hurting, and where we're not um, just waiting, but we're going out as an ambulance to find people and, and to bring the hope of, of Christ. And then the picture of a home for people who are lonely and struggling, and that we would be the safest place on earth where you are accepted and valued not because of what you do but because of who you are and because of the love of Christ for us. Today we celebrate the, uh, we're celebrating the life of Shelley Harold as she turns a, another year older today and so thankful for her and just the grace that uh, God is pouring through her. But as I read this, this verse or this the expression of love, I immediately thought of her and uh, of the many abilities and gifts God has given her, hospitality is one of them. And our family and our kids specifically have been at the receiving end of that. And I was thinking as Tyson and Shelley were uh, overseeing our youth ministry, how many hundreds of high school students and families did they ha have they invited into their home and expressed the love of Jesus through chicken enchiladas? You know? And, uh, and then here comes the conversations, you know, around the, the kitchen table or on the couch about tough, tough things that kids are going through and just so grateful for um, the picture of, of love displayed. Just thinking our kitchen tables, our homes, our, uh, they're sacred places, aren't they? And that God would just stoke us to, to say, all right, my home is open to, Lord, who do you want me to, to have in and just share life together and talk and practice and pursue hospitality. The, the eighth way there that we express his love is to bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. And this is a radical one. I think it's impressive if we resist the tendency to curse, if we get hit, to hit back. But he says, go beyond that with the love of God, even bless them. And this is the way of our leader, isn't it? It's the way of Jesus. See him living like this. And then nine, with his love, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. We've often said that family, our physical family is that place where you can come and just celebrate 
And you know, when something good happens to you in life, you want to celebrate it, don't you? Like if you have a win, but you feel bad sharing that with everybody because you don't want to be like um, you're bragging or whatever. But isn't it cool when you come to family, you can just say, hey guys, this good thing happened. And you know everyone's happy with you. And they're not, it, you know what, does that make sense? Um, and same with mourning, where you can just be real. You're not okay. And I need help, and I need prayer. And it, it, that's what we do in family. But isn't it neat? That's what God wants us to do as a church family, to rejoice with those who rejoice. It sometimes might be harder than mourning with those who mourn when somebody gets something that we may be wanting. And, but it's what we've been called to. It's how we love each other. And then to mourn with those who mourn. The, uh, he goes on and says, live in harmony with one another. Literally, be of the same mind, which is the mind of Christ. We see that in Philippians 2, and then he, he will amplify this in chapters 14 and 15. But this is where we pursue unity, as we keep our eyes on Christ and, and uh, seek to pursue the mission that he's given us. The 11th way, he says, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Love it that in the family of God, there are no distinctions or titles that we bring into this, the, this place. When we gather around his table, we are just brothers and sisters, all of us. And so, twelfth um, way that we practice his love, he says, do not be conceited or wise in your own eyes. One of the most loving things that we can do is to humble ourselves and listen to others, especially in the realm of how we're doing life and it is true that we all have a blind spot. The, uh, I love that picture of I only see half of me, the front part of me when I look in, into a mirror. There's a whole 50% of me I'm not seeing that other people see. And um, that's the blind spot. And so um, humbling ourselves to listen, to take advice, do not be conceited. The 13th way is do not repay evil for evil. This is a... Uh, Paul amplifies this in verses 17 and 19 as he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. It's never right to do wrong. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. I picture revenge as being something, what God's saying to us is, don't touch that stuff. It was only meant for me to administer. It's like anthrax, you know. Um, thinking, man, I, that guy tried to get me with anthrax. I'm going to get him back with some anthrax. But the minute you touch it, you're going down too. So it is with revenge. It's God's role and his place to avenge. And he will, all-powerful and all-wise. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And what he means there is the shame that could lead that person towards um, repenting and doing what's right. And then the 14th way that we love, express the love of God with his love, is do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil is the absence of God, as darkness is the absence of light. So how do you overcome evil is not with more darkness, but it's by bringing the light of God's presence into that situation. And how do we do that? It's with his love. As we embody the love of God, we walk into that situation. The enemy can't stop that. We fight our fight with the love of Christ.
So here's the reset as we get this year started and we get ready for our next series. It's this, to live a life of worship is what God's called us to. What's that look like? In view of God's mercy, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him. We play our part humbly in the body of Christ with His love. And when we do that, He is glorified, and we know the joy of doing what He's uh, created us to do in this time of time and place. So, the, I, I would encourage you this week to, to let Romans 12 be something you come back to, pray through it daily. Um, so that we might put it into play as we follow our Lord into this new year. Ryan and Nicole Oppie's relatives were having dinner at Dave's a couple, not long ago. They bowed to pray for their meal. And, a, and when they looked up, there, a lady comes over and says, I noticed you praying, and I have just been diagnosed with cancer. Would you be willing to pray for me? And they prayed for her, took her information. They live in Brownsburg, and so they called Ryan and Nicole and said, hey, would you follow up with this lady? Ryan called uh, Tyson. Tyson called her and prayed with her, but then said, would it be okay if I shared with you um, your information with one of our ladies that they could walk with you through this? And she, she said, sure. And so Tyson found out where she lived, noticed that Ramona lives near her, and Ramona's been loving on this lady, sharing meals with her. Jenny Krager um, is also reaching out to her and, and checking in on her. She doesn't know Christ at this moment, but um, we're praying that she will. But the love of Christ is being displayed. And I think, who knew that? Who knows that? That's one little moment of this love, the love of God embodying us as we're being loved. He does his thing. On January the 12th, 2007, a young man emerged from the subway station in Washington, D.C., he stood beside a trash can. He was wearing a t-shirt, jeans, he, and a hat, put his case, violin case, down on the ground, pulled his violin out of that case, and he began to play. It was rush hour, 7.50, 7.51 on a Friday morning. He played for the next 43 minutes. Over that time, over a thousand people hurried by as world-renowned violinist Joshua Bell played his music. Josh was a musical prodigy from the age of four. Now he packs out concert halls around the world. He was playing that day masterpieces that were centuries old on a violin worth $3.5 million. There on that Friday morning, ordinary day, dingy subway station, the music of heaven filled the air. And very few people stopped to listen. And what I love about that scene is that I believe that's what's happening in real time through you and through me. As the living God has placed in your heart and in my heart His love. And as you go out into the dingy subway stations of your life, ordinary life, it's not ordinary. It's the music of heaven and the glory of God on display, one person at a time, one word at a time, one day at a time, one life at a time as we live out the love of God. In real time, God is doing his work. And you say, but no one's watching and it seems that my life doesn't matter to which I would say there is one watching. And one day, the world's going to watch if he wants them to, but that doesn't matter. 
What matters is he's watching. Would you play on, play on, play on with his love? The glory of God is displayed. Amen? Amen. God, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you for your love that you have poured out to us and that your love that you've poured into us that we could share it with those around us. And God, as we read this text, we, uh, we feel the longing to be this. We know that we're not this like we should be yet, but I thank you that even this morning that you stoked that longing and pray, Lord, that as a result of these moments that we would be love. As we go out into our everyday lives that that we wouldn't even have to think about it, that it would be reflex. Use these 14 ways and maybe just one of these that we need to work on today to make us more like you. We love you. Thank you so much for these moments together. Thank you for the hope of being with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.